Welcome to week number three in our series that we're calling Q&A. Uh, really, questions and answers because it's based on the surveys that so many of you filled out on Christmas Eve and uh, just about uh, some topics you'd like to hear about. What are the top topics in the Bible that you'd like to hear about, learn more about, have some questions about? And uh, we've taken those, and this is the third message in the series. First week, the number one question was, what about life after death? And then last week, we talked about, uh, how do I find my purpose? Next week, uh, I'm excited about the message. How do I let go? You know, it's pretty interesting. Jesus said that offenses are going to come, but, but he told us what we're supposed to do when we get offended. It's hard to live in this world without getting offended. And, and, and the Bible tells us of how to deal with an offense when it comes. And so we're going to be talking about that next week. How do I let go? I want to give a big shout out to our Poughkeepsie folks. We had a great uh, celebration of the one-year anniversary. And just want to encourage everybody right now, just go ahead and get your app out, because uh, I'm going to just be going right through that outline. You can fill in the blanks. If you haven't downloaded it yet, you can do that uh, in the App Center, App Store, uh, the Valley Christian Church app, and you'll find it there, and you can follow along as well. But you do want to silence your cell phone, because we don't want that going off all over the place. But uh, we're going to talk about what do I do with my doubts. And, and you know, I think we all have questions. Obviously we do. That's why we have this series, Questions and Answers. And we're thinking about actually this is going so well to just do this uh, on, on an annual basis, have a regular question and answer series uh, each and every year. But you know, there's, there's two different kinds of questions. I, I think it's important to understand that. Uh, there's, there's a big difference between what I call seeking questions and shirking questions. There's a big difference between seeking questions and shirking questions. Seeking questions is where we really have a desire to have those questions answered. We're seeking answers. Shirking answers, shirking questions rather, are when we have some questions, we, we are actually hiding behind them. We say, oh, I don't know that religion thing, you know, all that Christianity stuff. I got some questions, and really we're, we're, we're shirking. We're just kind of hiding behind those questions. In other words, it's going to take Jesus appearing in front of our television while we're laying on the couch to get any answers. Because we're not trying, we're not seeking really answers. We're just hiding behind. We're shirking questions. Uh, and that word shirk is pretty interesting. It means to evade. It means to dodge. So we have questions just to dodge really seeking after the truth. And, and, and so I hope uh, in this series even that, that we're not looking at, we're not talking about shirking questions, but seeking questions. Interesting that God says in the Bible, if you seek me, you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. That's not shirking. That's really going after him. And, and so uh, in this series even, and even we're going to start talking about doubt, what do I do about my doubts? These are seeking questions. We all have questions. And the reality is uh, we all have doubts as well. Uh, doubts that God will do maybe for us what he's done for someone else. Doubts when we wonder, you know, uh, I've heard that, that God has healed some people, but I doubt that he'll heal me of the sickness that I'm facing. Or, 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 or I doubt that, that God can really give me the power to forgive the person who's hurt me, who's offended me. 
or, or I really doubt, I know the Bible tells me about tithing and giving 10% uh, of my income to the work of, of ministry, uh, but, but I really doubt that God will really take care of me because I really don't trust him. I doubt it. Or, or I doubt that God can, really has the power to help me overcome this addiction that I'm facing. He, he won't really do that. He couldn't really do that for me. Or how about this one? I really doubt that God could ever restore that fractured relationship that I have with that person that I, that I love so much and I cared so much for. I really doubt it. So as we approach this subject about doubt, I think there are some things that we need to understand that are really kind of common misunderstandings uh, before we look at a story uh, recorded for us in the Bible that'll help us to see that really all throughout Scripture, men and women, just like you, just like me, they wrestled with doubts. And the big question is, what do we do with our doubts? What do I do with my doubts? And so the first thing I think is important for us to understand is this. Many think that doubt is the opposite of faith, but that's not true. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is what is the contradiction, the opposite end of faith. Unbelief refers to a willful refusing to believe. That's what shirking questions are. It's a willful refusal, I refuse to believe because I'm hiding behind these questions that I have that I'm really not even seeking answers for. And so unbelief refers to a willful refusal to believe while doubt refers to, and this is different, a hesitation to believe. That's what a doubt is. I, I, I wanna believe, but I'm just hesitant, I'm cautious to believe. Unbelief is, you can tell me anything, and there's no way I'm gonna believe, it's never gonna happen. That's unbelief. And so many think doubt is the opposite of faith, but really unbelief is the opposite of faith. Here's the second thing that we need to understand about doubt. Many think that doubt is unforgivable, but it isn't. Many people misunderstand that if we have doubts, there's no way we can be forgiven that we have to be 100% sure. Guess what, if you're 100% sure, you have no faith. Faith means we can't see it all, and yet we choose to believe. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so, doubt is definitely forgivable. Many of you know the story about Thomas, the disciple, and he said, uh, when he heard the stories of Jesus' resurrection from uh, the tomb, he said, unless I place my fingers in the holes in his hands and in his side, I won't believe. And then Jesus walks through the wall. We refer to Thomas as doubting Thomas. And the interesting thing is Jesus didn't rebuke Thomas. Jesus didn't condemn Thomas. Jesus said, here are my hands, go ahead. And so this is a common misunderstanding. Many people think that doubt is unforgivable, but it's not. It's something that we all wrestle with, or maybe just me. <laughs> maybe you don't. Maybe it's, just, maybe it's just your pastor that wrestles with doubts. I think we all do. God doesn't condemn us when we question him. In fact, as you read through the pages of Scripture, not just Thomas, but people repeatedly ask and question God. 
but God never condemned them for it. God is big enough to handle all of our doubts and all of our questions, and he continually says, do the right thing with your questions. Do the right thing with your doubts. Don't stay away. Come to me. Bring them to me. Ask me. Here's the third common misunderstanding. Many think struggling with God means a lack of faith, but it doesn't. This is kind of part of the human experience, that the faith journey is that there's sometimes gonna be some struggling with God because God's not gonna give us all the answers for everything. That would require no faith. There are some things we're just never gonna know on this side of eternity that we just have to trust God with because he's like, uh, God! And he doesn't owe us an explanation for everything. We're his children. I don't know how many of you as parents, you know, your kids ask you some questions sometimes, and, and in your mind you're like, I could explain to it, but no, there's no way you're going to ever understand that. That's how God is with us, <laughs> as his children. I could explain that to you, Greg, but your head will explode, quite literally. Just trust me. So many think struggling with God means a lack of faith, but it doesn't. Struggling with God is a sure sign that we do have faith because we're trusting even though we don't fully understand it. We still have our faith in him. If we never struggle, our faith would never grow. In fact, struggle is part of the growth of our faith. And so, uh, in our time together, I wanna look at this pretty, pretty interesting story, uh, and I'm just calling this a guy who sorta of believed. A guy who sort of believed. He, he kind of believed, and we're going to find just on the page of the scripture, you know, so many times we think, man, if I'd have been alive at the time of Jesus, I would have been better than Peter. You know, I never would have denied him. I would have just believed in him. It would have been awesome, me and Jesus. At least I used to pretend that way when I was in Bible college and all of that. But the fact about matters, we're going to read a story right here. Someone who comes right up to him and is very honest about his doubts about his struggles. And it's really interesting to see this conversation as Jesus engages this man. Let me uh, just jump right in. The story we're gonna be looking at is in Mark chapter nine. Again, uh, uh, a guy who sort of believed. Mark chapter nine, verse 17, it says, a man in the crowd answered, we're just dropping in here, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Now this word brought uh, in the original language of the New Testament is pretty interesting because it says something about this story, about what's happening here. Uh, this word brought uh, in Greek is the Greek word krateo, krateo, and it literally means to use strength to carry, to seize, or to retain. In other words, this man brought his son, and we're gonna find he's got more problems, he's just unable to talk. He's got a lot more problems than that. And, and he basically restrained his son and carried his son to the disciples for the disciples to heal him, to deliver him. And the disciples couldn't do it. And then this man brings his son to Jesus himself. That in and of itself is an act of faith. Because why, why would he go through the trouble to bring him to Jesus if he didn't think, I think this guy might could do it. I think this guy could help. But we find at the same time he has some serious doubts. 
And that's what unfolds in the rest of this story. And so we pick it up in the next verse. It says, whenever it seizes him, this spirit that's tormenting him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. He's got some serious issues going on here. And it says, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. They couldn't do it. And so uh, this is pretty uh, dramatic picture, this dramatic scene that we drop in on here. It goes on and it says, Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus says, replied, how long shall I be with you? And, and, and Jesus is just talking to this one man, right? His son is going through all this torment, this terrible stuff. And, and he says, I brought my son to your disciples that they would deliver him, that they would heal him of this. And they couldn't do it. And then you notice what Jesus' response is. It's not to the Father only. Who does he speak to? The entire generation. The Father's standing there and he's going, y'all are all messed up. You're all messed up. The boy is foaming at the mouth like rigor mortis, stiff as a board. The father is like, help my son. The disciples couldn't do anything. And Jesus is like, y'all are all a mess. Because they all had serious unbelief. Major, major doubts. And it says in, in verse 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Do you hear the response now? The compassion of Jesus? How long has he been suffering? How long has he been going through this? One moment he says, you unbelieving generation. Then he goes, how, how, long has he, how long has he been going through this? How long has he been suffering? Father answers, from childhood, he answered. Then he goes on and says, it, it has often thrown him into a fire or water to kill him. And then watch this. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And there's that two-letter word that is the biggest doubt word that there is. If. If. If you can do anything. You know, kind of, sort of, maybe, perhaps you could help doesn't sound like a real faith statement, does it? If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. That one word, if, captures so many people with doubts. If, if, if. God, if you can, please do this. If you're willing, please act as if God doesn't have compassion on us already, as if Jesus doesn't already have pity on that boy and on that father as well. If you're good, God, why don't you do something? If you are indeed real at all, why don't you just prove it to me? If you're not just some concept that we all thought of, as some sort of emotional crutch to help us get through the difficulties of life. 
if you're really there, if you really can, if you're really willing, if you really love us, do something. It's the language of doubt. If, if, if. Why is it that for so many of us, even those of us who would call ourselves faithful Christ followers, regular church attenders, why is it that for so many of us, we all have a big if? Where we're just not willing to go all the way with God and say, I trust you. I believe you do love me. I believe you do care for me. I don't think you got to prove it, God. You proved it by sending Jesus to die on the cross. You proved it once and for all. So many of us have ifs in the back or even in the front of our minds when it comes to things of faith. Why do so many of us have doubts? Why do so many of us have doubts? Why, why, did, why did this happen? Why is it so hard for us to believe? I, I think there's really three reasons why that, that so many times we struggle to believe. And one of the biggest doubts I think that, that many of us struggle with is, is God really good? Is God really good? Why do so many of us have doubts? Because God doesn't do what it is we want him to do. Because God doesn't do what we told him he ought to do. And so we doubt him. God doesn't run the universe the way Greg Williamson thinks is the best way for it to be run. God doesn't jump when I say how high. God's not my little servant boy, errand boy, to do what I want in the world. And so we say, well, I doubt you're even there. Instead of, maybe God is so big, there's something he wants me to do. Maybe God loves me so much that while I was still a sinner, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. Maybe the doubts are, I've got too big of an idea of who I am and too small of an idea of who he is. For many of us, we have doubts because God doesn't do what we would do or what we think he should do. Second reason I think that many of us struggle with, with doubts is this, We're, we tried things and they didn't work. There have been promises that have been made to us by, by teachers and coaches and parents and we put our trust in other people and they didn't deliver. And so we automatically, especially with mom and dad, we project what our mom and dad didn't do for us or what they did do to, and we project that right over to our heavenly father. And say, if my earthly dad was like this, well, then you must be like that too. But that's not the truth. But it causes us to doubt inside. Because we tried things that didn't work. And so we doubt, well, I'll try God. Instead of I'll trust God, we'll give it a half-hearted effort. Instead of surrendering our life, we'll just just a little bit, just test the waters. And it's doubt that keeps us from wholeheartedly jumping in. God doesn't do what we would do. We've tried things that didn't work. And here's the third reason why I think we really struggle with doubts. 
Many people around us express doubts. What are you, one of those Jesus freaks? What are you, one of those just like religious people? All holier than thou? You don't really believe that stuff, do you? Listen, let's, let's, let's just uh, face the truth. There is nothing in our culture, our country, our society that is going to encourage us to have faith in God. Nothing. Everywhere around us, hopefully in church is the only place, everything around us is eroding our confidence and our faith in God and causing us to doubt. To doubt. It's interesting, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's why gatherings like this are so important because it builds our faith when we hear God's word. But, but understand, many people around us express doubts continually and it just erodes us. That's why we, <laughs> that's why we have the Bible app, our, our new uh, church app. Because we want to be able to give you a shot in the arm and continue on an ongoing basis, day in and day out, where you can access God's word and messages that apply to life. And you can be strengthened as a result of that. Because there are people all around us, around me, around you, every one of us, that are really expressing doubts. And it erodes our faith in God. So many people that are diluted and polluted and partially faltering in their faith. Just like this father was when he brought his son and he really questions Jesus like, if you'll have pity, if you even care. Let's pick the story back up in in verse 22, the second part. Here it is, we just read it again. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And look at what Jesus says. If you can? It's almost like, uh, to me, this reminds me, it's almost like Jesus is saying, after the Father says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus goes, if you can? Almost like he's saying, you talking to me? Don't, don't, Don't you know who I am? I'm the one that started your son's heart beating in the first place when he was in your wife's womb. I started your heart beating. I I knitted you together. If I can. And I I just imagine sometimes his voice went up and got squeaky like mine does. If I can. If you can. Said Jesus. And then listen to what Jesus says. And boy, all of a sudden... This is just so hard sometimes because it makes us look in the mirror. We don't like looking in the mirror when it comes to our faith. Jesus says everything is possible for one who believes, for one who has faith. Not in their faith, not in themselves, but in me. Everything is possible for one who believes. Everything. Then it goes on and says, immediately the boy's father explained, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. This was the first real moment in the whole story. And, and, and I don't know about you, but this is why I wanted it highlighted, because this explains Greg Williamson a lot. I believe, <laughs> help my unbelief. I, I believe a whole lot more now than I just did 10 minutes ago, but you know what, I'm still not there yet. Help me, Jesus. 
Help me. And so immediately the boy's father explained. Now this is pretty interesting. This word explain, I'm gonna go Greek on you again because this is kind of wild when you, when you understand what the story is saying here, how the account is. This word exclaimed in, in the original language of Greek is a Greek word, uh, and I love this, it's a, a kratazo. Say kratazo. Everyone say that, kratazo. It means to croak. It literally means, to explain means to croak, and I don't think it's like ribbit, ribbit. It's actually as a raven. It means to scream like, ah, ah. Jesus says, says, anything is possible. Everything is possible for one that believes. And like, he just, he just blurted out, I do believe. Just like a crow. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. That word unbelief is pretty interesting as well. It's the Greek word epistos. Pistos is the Greek word for faith. Epistos means it negates the next. So it means no faith. Help me overcome my no faith, my unbelief. I do believe, but I realize, and this is what he's saying, I do believe, but I still have some of these doubts, and I don't believe you fully. And Jesus just finished saying to him that all things are possible, everything is possible for those who believe. And he could feel that faith just just growing inside of him, faced with this difficulty, with this challenge of his son's health. And so what do we learn from this story? I think just, just from this quick story here, I'm going to give you the conclusion in just a second. I, I, I want to share with you just two things, and it's not some 10 steps for greater faith. 10 steps so you can get the automobile you've been dreaming of. I'm not going to do that because Jesus didn't do that kind of foolishness. But, but I just want to pull out two things that I think are going to help us the next time we have some doubts or we have a crisis of faith right from this story. The first thing I think is so important that we understand about faith is this, be honest about your faltering faith. Be honest about where you are. Don't pretend like you're God's mighty man of faith and power for the hour when you got doubts. Be honest about it. That father in that one moment of honesty, let's look at it again, Mark chapter nine, verse 24. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. He's saying, I do believe, but I don't believe fully. Help me. And he was honest with Jesus. He was honest with Jesus. And you know what Jesus did in response to that honesty? I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus delivered his son from that spirit that was just uh, exploiting him harassing him. Even though he didn't have 100%, but he was honest. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus delivers the Father's boy. So we need to be honest about our faltering faith. That's the first thing. Is like, you know what? My faith is not everything that it should be. My faith in God, my trust in God is not everything that I want it to be. But God, I'm coming to you with the faith that I have. And I'm being honest about it. And I'm asking for your help. 
Here's the second thing I think that we learn in this story that's so important. Move on your minimum faith. Move, go. Act on your minimum faith. E- even though you feel like I don't have very much on a scale of one to 10, my faith might be about a two in terms of trusting God. But you know what? I'm gonna move on that too. I- I'm gonna put action to that little tiny bit of faith that I have. And I'm gonna trust God. Over the summer, we, uh, we looked at the book of James and we unpacked the whole book of James passage by passage. Uh, and, and just a reminder, in James chapter 2, verse 26, it tells us this, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. If we don't move on our faith, even though it's small, if we don't put it into action, guess what? It's almost like we lose the little bit that we have. And that's why the challenges come into our lives and primarily God allows those challenges in our lives so that our trust in him would grow. So that our faith in him would grow. Because faith without deeds, faith without action is dead. Just recently we celebrated uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday and what a great pastor, preacher, and, and really prophet to our nation. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said about faith. He said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. That's what faith is. It's taking that first step even though you can't see the whole staircase. Kind of reminds me of uh, Indiana Jones. Remember that? Uh, where uh, in that one movie that uh, they had to cross this great divide and they couldn't see how to do it and he took some dirt and he threw it and he realized there was actually a bridge, but he couldn't see it, and then he had to do step by step. Reminds me of this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. And just quickly, in the last couple minutes together, I, I wanna share with you real quick what I think is one of the greatest stories of faith in all the Bible. I, I mean, this faith is not diluted, polluted, partial, faltering faith. But the faith that, we're, that this story recalls in the book of Daniel is real, committed, deep, sincere faith. Man, this is a, just a great story of faith. And, and it's about uh, three of the Hebrew children in Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar made this huge, great gold statue and said, when the horns are played, when the trumpets are sound, everyone has to bow down and worship this golden statue, which is actually a statue of himself, Nebuchadnezzar. Those three Hebrew children, young men, rather, they said, we won't do it. And so he said, anyone who doesn't bow down and worship when the trumpet sounds will be thrown into the furnace burnt alive look at what it says in Daniel chapter 3 verse 17 the response of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were their names if we're thrown into the blazing furnace the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand they said we're not going to bow down we will not worship another God. And you hear this incredible faith 
that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three Hebrew young men, had in God. We will not do it. Defying, at the time, the most powerful man on the face of the earth. We will not do it. But that's not all they said in Daniel chapter three. Listen to this great statement of faith. That's not the end of it. In verse 18, it says, but even if he does not, even if he does not deliver us, even if you throw us into the fiery furnace and we die, and God does not deliver us, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. They said, our faith is this. Our God can deliver us. There's no question about it. He can. Will he? We don't know. But even if he doesn't, it's not gonna shake our faith in him. We're still gonna trust in him. Powerful picture of faith. Even if, how about using the if that way? Even if things don't go the way I want to, I'm still gonna trust God. Even if I don't get what I want, I'm still gonna believe that God's good. Even if he doesn't do what I tell him to do, I'm still gonna trust him and I'm still gonna serve him. Tremendous picture of faith. And so that's why I think sometimes that we struggle is because we kind of have this uh, contract with God. We struggle sometimes in our faith and we struggle with doubts because we have this contract. God, if you do that for me, then I'll give you my heart. If you do what I tell you to, if you do what I want, to, what I want you to do, when I want you to do it, the way I want you to do it, then I'll live for you. Instead of reciprocating the unconditional love that God has shown to us through sending his son to live a perfect life and to die in our place to pay the price for our sins. And then he rose again three days later. And so right now I just want to pray. I want to pray first of all because do you realize just in this time that we've been together the potential is right here for your faith to grow. Because again, like I said, Romans tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why it's so important. That's why whenever you're struggling in your faith, the worst thing to do is stop going to church because you're just sticking a knife in your faith. The best thing is hear God's word and allow God's word to let faith rise in your heart. I know God can do this. But even if he doesn't, I still trust him and I'll still serve him and I'll still give him all my life. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, so many times we do have struggles with doubt and we thank you, Lord, that you're not threatened by our doubts. But instead, your desire is that our doubts would actually draw us even closer to you. And Father, I pray that that would be the case for any one of us and every one of us that's struggling right here today. Lord, that we double down on our faith when we face doubts. 
that we wouldn't pull back from you, we wouldn't pull back from prayer, we wouldn't pull back from your word, we wouldn't pull back from hearing your word at church. But Lord, we would allow our faith to grow and we would be like those Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says, we know that God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't, it's not gonna change. It's not gonna change our trust. It's not gonna change our faith in you. You've demonstrated how much you love us, how much you care for us through sending your son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sins so that we could receive forgiveness and live the fulfilled life that you created us for. And we thank you for that. And we pray that our faith would grow stronger as we think about these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.